What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. I'm excited today. We got Dave Nagel uh, with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So the first question I'd like to ask each of my guests as we, we start off to kind of kick the conversation off is Championship Leadership is the name of the podcast. What comes to mind or what does that mean to you when you hear Championship Leadership? Well, I think it's, well, first of all, I think it's an idea that um, leader is a champion in their own leadership. One of the things that, that I learned a long time ago, well, my mentor said this to me many years ago. He said, you know, he said, David, a, a leader has to learn to be a good follower. And uh, they also, you know, in, in order to be a good leader, you need to be a good follower. And you need to know when to do which one. And I thought that was very interesting at the time because I didn't know when to do which one back in, the, back in that time. Yeah. But as I grew, it made a lot of sense to me. And that, you know, anybody who is leading it's kind of like the generals would say lead from the rear or lead from the front. The whole idea was that they were leading from a sense of leadership and winning and being a champion on the inside. And I think that that, I think that's really what's most important. Yeah, absolutely. If you could, for the listeners, just kind of let us know a little bit about more about you and like maybe the path that you've taken to get where you are today and, and sure. uh, what you got going on. Yeah. So, you know, um, I had a, an interesting childhood. It was one where around 13 years old, uh, my parents went in different directions and we were living in Phoenix for a short period of time. We moved back to Chicago, which is where I was born and raised. Uh, my dad didn't come. He stayed in, uh, in Arizona. And my mom kind of went off on her own for a period of about three years. So for about 13 to 16 and a half, there was not a lot of leadership there, so to speak, in my life. Nobody really kind of guiding me. And I had a, a, a younger brother who was four years older than me. And it was about trying to find my way. And I was very interested in looking at how other people lived. Because even though I didn't know what was wrong with the way that I was being raised, I couldn't tell you what those things were. I really couldn't tell you what the things were. I just had a sense that this was screwed up. There was a lot of screwed up stuff going on. And I was trying to find the right way to, to do something. So 
I became very frustrated in the ideology that I was being raised in, that my community was in, that the, I did not see myself as an employee for the rest of my life working somewhere. So I started taking as many different paths, paths as I could. I went in the army for a while, I was overseas in Germany for a while, came home, got married, and decided to start a family. And, and I can't even tell you why I did that other than I was in love and it seemed like the, the next step. The problem was I didn't have any way of taking care of this family. I mean, I had no way of living up to the responsibility of having children. And I have, uh, I'm married, I have two children, and I'm driving a forklift for basically minimum wage, a little over minimum wage. I'm working six and a half days a week. Uh, when I'm not driving a forklift, I'm driving a truck, trying to make every dime that I can make. And life's getting worse, it's not getting better. You know, we're, we, our, our car gets repossessed, we end up go, filing bankruptcy, we have to leave our apartment in the middle of the night because we couldn't pay the increased rent. Uh, we had to move to a not so good neighborhood. And I'm constantly getting reprimanded at work for various different reasons. Most of, most of the reasons are just not caring, just not putting forth the, the required effort. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know where to turn. And I'm asking people, how do I change this? Because I thought that the idea was that if I could go from 20000 a year to 40000 a year, that would change everything. So I'm trying to figure out how do I get to 40? How do I get to 40? I even started my own uh, little business on the side, uh, plowing snow. I bought a, a, a beat up pickup truck with a snow plow on it. In the wintertime, I could make some money plowing snow. That thing was broken down more than it worked. You know, I mean, it was, it was just craziness. And I had a, I had a near death experience. I, I was on a boat with my family on the Illinois river got separated from the boat while I was water skiing, got sucked through a dam. So wow. I break my back. I'm told by the people that, uh, that were in charge. So the, the people that were at the hospital that day was the Ottawa River Rescue, the Department of National Resources, the state police, and the Army Corps of Engineers who ran the, the dam, the ran the lock and dam. And they kept asking me this question, how did I survive? And I was really befuddled, right? Um, first of all, I'm, lay, I'm in all this pain. I'm, I feel like I'm on the verge of going into shock, you know, laying on this table. They're trying to stitch me up. And there's these people asking me these questions. And I'm like, how the, I have no idea how I survived. I had a life vest on. I came out the other side. I grabbed onto a tree branch that was hanging off of an island. I buckled my life vest to it and just hung there for dear life until somebody found me. Like, I didn't see a big part in this survival thing that they seem to be uh, trying to insinuate. So they kept saying, you know, you, you're, you're really lucky. Somebody up there is looking out for you. You know, um, I don't know what it is, but you're really lucky. There was only one other person that went through this that survived and he was a paraplegic. On and on and on and on they're going. And when I was hanging from the tree waiting for somebody to find me, I was doing everything that I could not to go into shock. My, I peeled all the skin on my hands. I was injured pretty bad. I didn't know how bad I was injured. A, a lot of it was adrenaline that was going through me. And I said to God, if you let me live through this, I will figure out why I'm not doing the things that I should be doing. And I will spend the rest of my life after I figure that out, teaching other people how to do the same thing. Now, I have no idea where that came from. Yeah. It was just, I need to make a deal with God in this moment to, to get out of this situation. Yeah. So after all of this happens, nothing is getting better. 
for some reason, I thought things were going to get better and they didn't get better. They were just getting worse. And I was in the back of a trailer one night. It was a February night in, uh, in Chicago. It was very cold. I was very tired. I was very angry, very, very angry and frustrated. I can't tell you how, how frustrated. I felt like I was just going to split in half. I was so frustrated with my life. And I started crying in this trailer. And I said, God, show me something, anything, some different decision, a different direction, anything. And this little voice in my head said, change your attitude. And I stopped what I was doing, and I really listened to it. And it said, change your attitude. It didn't say anything else. And I started thinking to myself, what difference would it make if I changed my attitude? Like, how is that going to get me out of the situation that I'm in? How is that going to get me any more money? How is it going to get me anything? And I, as I started thinking about it, and eventually the day ended, I was on my way home. I had a 57-mile drive home from work. I'm thinking about it, and I'm thinking about it, and I thought, well, what exactly is an attitude anyway? And I realized I didn't know. I really didn't know what made up an attitude. You know, I knew it had something to do with, are you coming to work with a smile on your face? Are you <laughs> acting like you're, yeah. you know, you're enthusiastic? I mean, that's kind of what I thought it was. And I said, well, if I was to take somebody that I knew and they had a relatively same start in life that I did, but they're in a very different place down the road, what would be the difference between my attitude and their attitude? So I took the guy that owned the company that I worked for because the story was that he had started the company in his garage and he built it into this, he was the largest food importer in the United States. And uh, I thought, what is the difference between this guy and me? And I had met him a couple of times. So I, I, I recognized that, well, if he started in his garage and he was this successful, he must have loved what he was doing to some degree. And I noticed it was different for me. I hated it. I absolutely hated what I was doing. The other thing was that he must have done a really good job. If he was going to build it from his garage into this huge, this huge company, he must have done a really good job. And I wasn't. I could care less. I was working to go home every day, not for any kind of quality of work. And I also knew for a fact, because I, I watched this, as he would walk through the warehouse with other people from other companies, because he had automated our warehouse. And even though we had a lot of people in the warehouse working, a lot of it was, was automated with these huge machines that would, you know, pick the food, wrap the food, you know, put it on pallets, and then it would be sent into a truck to be delivered in a specific order based on the stores. And I know that he would give these tours to show these other companies how he had innovated in this, in this industry. But when he would walk past the employees, he would never just walk past you. He would stop and say, hello, how you doing? Shake your hand ask how your family was. Most of the employees in that warehouse did not even speak English. He didn't speak Spanish. So that impressed me. You know, I thought he cared. To some level, he, he cared. He respected people. So I said, I'm going to change those three things. I'm going to act like I love what I do, do every job to the best of my ability, and treat everybody with total respect. And I'm going to see if that makes any difference at all. With the whole idea in my mind that I want to make 40000 a year. So I went through this whole battle for about 24 hours with my mind going, you've never kept your word with anything. You've never stuck to anything. What makes you think you're going to do this? Blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, I'm going to try this for a year and I'm going to see what happens. In 30 days, my income tripled. I went from 20,000 a year to 62,000 in 30 days. Wow. And it happened so fast. And to me, 
at that time, especially in that time, it was such a big jump. It caused me to question everything that I knew about life, about Mm -hmm. experiences. Is there a God? Like, what's behind all of this? And the other thing that really startled me about this was that the opportunity to do that existed around me for two years, but I couldn't see it. I did not perceive it as an opportunity at all. So I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to study. There, there, needs, there must be some information out there. Somebody's either speaking about it or talking about it or writing about it. And I'm going to find out what exactly this is. Because if I can ever figure out what I did, I can replicate it. I could do it again. So I start going to libraries. You know, this is all before the internet. Libraries, bookstores, looking for books, reading over and over again. I come across... Uh, Tony Robbins' personal power tapes when they first came out in the very early 90s. I ordered those one night. I started listening to his stuff. Of course, in, that, in those, those recordings of his seminars, he mentioned books that he had read. So I started getting those books and reading those books. And my life just kept getting better and better and better. And I went from a truck driver to a person when I, when I left the company, because I was working for a petroleum company, when I left the company to start my own business in 99, I had gone from a truck driver to the person in charge of expansion of this petroleum company across the United States. And I never had any further education. I never went back and finished high school. I got a GED when I was in the army, but I basically quit high school when I was 17. And I had no other further skill sets. I just kept learning everything that I could and applying myself in the very best way that I could. So in that span of seven years, my whole life changed like day, day and night. And then I started my own business. And in a very short period of time, I became a millionaire. And it just kept getting better from there going on. So um, I, in the early days, right before I started this company, I used to go around and talk to people that were asking me for help. They were like, how did you do this? How did, how did this change for you? And I would say, here, do this, do this, read this, apply these things, change this, and your life will change. And the ones that did it, they would have amazing changes in their life. And of course, the ones that didn't, wouldn't, right? They always had the perfect excuse. And I thought, you know something, I've got something here. I can really do something with this. And then I had a mentor at the time, and he encouraged me. He's like, no, you need to walk away from what you're doing and do this. Like, get serious about it. Really do it. Um, Become a speaker. Become an author. Become a coach. You know, do these things. And this is when nobody even knew what a coach was. I mean, there were no, it's not like there's a million coaches now. There there were none then, right? Right. So it was, I mean, that's basically the story. That's the story. And I've been in business for 21 years now and uh, we own a couple of companies, but it's a, you know, it's a really great journey and we help a, we help a lot of people. That's an incredible story. Um, You mentioned like these conversations with God, right? A few times, a few critical moments in your life where I think, um, I, I think a lot of people tend to have the conversation with God in certain moments when maybe they didn't have never believed in God before, right? I, I was just curious for you, what, where were you at with that while you're having these conversations with what you said was God? I was very confused. So I was raised Catholic, okay? Uh-huh. I was born in 1966. So I saw a lot happening. Like my, my father was in the Vietnam War. I saw a lot around Vietnam. I remember when Martin Luther King was assassinated. I remember the, uh, the riots in Chicago. I remember the racism stuff. And then there were major issues that were happening in my own family. My, my, in 1970, my uncle and my two cousins that I was raised with died in a fire. It was a tr- terrible emotional uh, 
uh, scar on my family. They didn't know how to deal with it. I think it, which it precipitated, you know, everything getting worse and worse throughout the years. But I was also going, I was also being raised Catholic and they would tell us, God loves you. You're, 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 you come from, you're created from a loving God. There's all this God stuff about how much God loves you and cares about his children and all this stuff. And yet I had so many thing, points of evidence where in my mind it was saying this isn't true. So I would ask the nuns, I would ask the deacons, the priests, you know, anybody who I was around in this education to explain this to me. And of course they couldn't. A lot of times the explanation was there's some things are just a mystery. You know, these are, these are God's mysteries. Well, that, that, those answers weren't good <laughs> for me right. at all. Right. Yeah. So it was a question in my mind. It, number one, is this real? It, if he's real, how does this work? Because if it's real, it sure seems like it's a sadistic God, not a loving God. Why would he let his children suffer like this? I don't understand why or how. But when I met my mentor, who was Bob Proctor, back in the mid-90s, I got an education unlike anything that I had ever experienced before. And, and he, he took the time with me to explain how, this, how spirit worked along with the idea of personal achievement and success and your attitude and, and all of these different pieces of the puzzle. So where I began to understand them. And I was a student of his for seven, about seven years. So I stuck with him and learned everything that I possibly could about mindset, about my life and career in this industry, which he had already spent 30 years building in, in, in it himself. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, answered, it answered questions that nobody had ever answered. And I felt and still do that they were the right answers. And they're at least the right answers for me. And it's never, it's never caused me to have any more conflict around uh, the idea of God. I think, like, personally, I think the conflicts around the idea of God are when religion dogmatically puts it in a box uh, that you can't necessarily get out of. It has no explanation. It just says, believe this, but here's no reason for believing it other than this is what a bunch of people say you should believe. Yeah. I think that's what creates the biggest part of the problem. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, um, the other thing that I wrote down here is just that, like you said, you're, you're strapped to this, this branch and you say that, hey, if you help me with this, show me what, what to do. Like, uh, I'll, I'll not only do that, but I'll go teach others. Right. And I yeah. know you said you don't really know where that came from, but what's uh, obviously clearly that is what you're doing. I'm interested in that. I think it was. So when it, when I, when I popped up on the other side of the dam, I shot up out of the water, like a cork, you know, cause mm -hmm. I had a light vest on. I was really on the verge of passing out. Like things were all, it was all starting to go black and I popped up, I felt myself rising and I thought either I'm dead and I'm going to heaven or I'm in a, coming up to the surface of the water. But I never even felt myself go through the dam. It was just like I was above the water and yeah. then I was under the water and I didn't even get a chance to take a lung full of air, you know. So I thought it was over. And then I pop up out of the water and I get some air and now I'm like, okay, I got to get to, I got to get my ass to shore and I'm trying to swim to the shore and I can't get there. The current's too strong. Mm -hmm. So I knew that two miles down the river, and I didn't even know how far down I had come at this point, but two miles down the river, there was another dam. Uh, it, oh, was wow. another, it was in another, another city. It was in Ottawa uh, versus, I was in Marseille, and this was in, in Ottawa, was there another a dam. And I thought, I got to get out of here. And I went around an island where there was a branch hanging from a tree way over into the water. I grabbed onto it. 
And as I started to pull myself up to it, I was almost horizontal in the water because the water was so strong. And because my hands were torn up, I didn't know how long I could hold on. So I'm unbuckling one buckle at a time, pushing the branch in and buckling my vest to the branch. When that happened, immediately I saw a picture of my son's face flash across the, scene of the, the, the screen of my mind. This happened in September of 89. My son was born in June. So he was just a little baby. And as I was hanging there, I was thinking, if I die today, I've left my family nothing but problems, absolutely nothing but problems. And those problems are because I didn't do the things I should have done to be a good father, a good man, a good provider for my family. I knew that. I, mm -hmm. I, before I went through the dam, I knew that the problem was that I hadn't done the work that I should have done. But now I'm paying the consequence for it, but I don't know how to change it. It's like, okay, here's the consequence, but how do I change it? And the only thing people would say to me is, well, you shouldn't have quit high school, right? You should have yeah. went to college. And it's like, yeah, yeah. well, that's great, dude. You know, yeah. that doesn't help me out now. Right. And they really couldn't. They didn't know what to tell me. So when I'm hanging there, it's a funny situation. When you're a, a lot of people I've talked to over the years, you feel so desperate, so helpless in a situation where your life is hanging by a thread that, you know, you, you, it's like they say, there's no, uh, there's no atheists in a foxhole, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah. this was my foxhole in life. And I, that's what I said. I mean, that, that's just what I said. I think the idea was that I know where I screwed up. I'm going to figure out why I screwed this up and I'm going to change it. And then I'll help other people change it. That's where it, I mean, logically, that's where it, that's where yeah. it, I think there was some yeah. deeper meaning there that I didn't realize at the time, but Hey, you know, it showed up and then that became the direction that I was going. But I will say this, when I, when I started studying to try to find out the answers to all these questions, I was not studying with the idea of helping anybody else with the information. I was mm -hmm. just trying to figure me out sure. at the time. You know, yeah. I was really trying and I knew that I had so many questions that had conflicting answers that I needed to get some solid information to build a foundation in which I could stand in my life on. You know, yeah. so that's what I was looking for. I was looking for, for, I was looking for people that could teach me where I had not been taught as a child. Uh, and what I was taught, it was so conflicting. I didn't know what to base any truth on. Yeah. Who are some of the, I know you mentioned Bob Proctor, but who are some of the championship leaders, mentors, coaches that you had in your life that have made an impact on you? And uh, more so than who, but like really, what is it about them that really has stood out to you? And maybe is, you've taken kind of chunks of that to make who you are as a leader inside of your life. Well, there's, there's been a lot. Um, some are public, some are, are, are private people that nobody would know. I think that um, my mentor kind of nailed it for me when he said, when you're looking for a mentor of any kind, you want to find somebody that has the results, right? Or they're far past the results that you're mm -hmm. looking for, but they've done, they've done the work themselves. So I remember when I heard that, that was before he was my mentor. He was just doing seminars at the time when I heard him say that. I was like, okay, that, that, makes, a, that makes a lot of sense. So I was looking for people that had results that were kind of like remarkable results, at least in my mind and in, the, in most of the public's mind. And I became fascinated with how did people get themselves to perform at an extraordinary level to get extraordinary results? 
So I started off with my mentor was Bob Proctor. It was Tony Robbins. Um, of course, I started reading all the great literature, you know, like As a Man Thinketh, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl, you know, real textbook stuff, you know, uh, Napoleon Hill, you know, that kind of stuff. Studying some of the people in Napoleon Hill, like Andrew Carnegie, those things. But then as time went on, it began, to, it began to spread out into people that were doing extraordinary things. So it's like a Mandela, right? Or a Martin Luther King Jr. Or a Michael Jordan. You know, like it, it ran the whole gamut. For, it didn't matter what it was in. It was what made this person extraordinary? What makes somebody else an extraordinary leader? How did this person manage to take a bunch of people that um, really didn't seem to be able to do much and turn them into a championship team or a championship company or, or whatever it was. So, um, you know, I mean, you got like Phil Knight from Nike, you, you know, um, Steve Jobs, um, individuals with that kind of, with that kind of drive and vision for their life that would cause them to do extraordinary things to get an extraordinary result. That was really what I was interested in the most. And you also come to find out, not all of them, but a lot of them came from backgrounds that were less than extraordinary. A matter of fact, a lot of them had a lot of hardship, you know, mm-hmm. in their, in their yeah. backgrounds and their upbringing. So I was fascinated by that too. Like what causes a person to make that kind of a change in their life? Where did they get the idea? Where did they get the ambition? How did they know that they were on the right track to be able to practice and study every single day to learn their craft or their skill over and over again. I was fascinated with musicians for a very long period of time, probably because music had such an impact on my, on my younger years. Yeah. So yeah, those kinds of individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. It's great. It's always good to hear, you know, the people that have impacted people and then really, you know, how they've taken those little chunks and pieces of, of those that you kind of cross paths with to, to help. General Patton was a big one. General Patton? General Patton was a big one. And, and one of the reasons was because when he was a little kid, he thought he was a coward. Wow. And if you read his biography, um, it's fascinating because he spent so much of his youth and, uh, and his, his early adult years proving to himself that he was not a coward. So much so that he literally stood up <laughs> when he was being fired upon. Uh, because the, the most horrific thing he could think of was a bullet coming straight for his nose. So he was downrange in the firing line and he stood up while they were firing at him and he did not get hit, right? Wow. Like he was doing yeah. crazy stuff like that to prove that he wasn't a coward. And then, of course, that moment came for him uh, when he helped break the back uh, of Germany during World War II that he had to stand up in such a way. So yeah. it, it's like those things, how people knew that, what was their, you know, how did they get involved in it? What caused them to think the way that they were thinking? All of that became extremely fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Also, when I think of championship leadership, I think of vision. You know, they have championship leaders have great vision and, a, and, and incredible courage to be able to take action on that vision. What, uh, what, what is it for you on your path and where you want to go with, with the companies that you have and what you're doing and the impact that you're making? Uh, maybe even just short term. And I know I realize visions change, right? Goals change. Sure. Um, but, you know, for where you're at right now, what, what are you looking at uh, short term from now? Vision of where you want to go. Yeah. So, so there's two main companies. There's, there's Life is Now Incorporated, which is my speaking, coaching, company, publishing. 
that is really working with individuals, primarily people that are entrepreneurs and helping them build a solid foundation in their mindset and through business skills to create whatever they're looking for in life. And the second one is Nagel Media, which is a company that, that d- does uh, media support and, and function for small businesses so that they don't have to do it, right? So it really takes their vision, helps it put it into their media message and outreach uh, for their marketing and their advertising in the world. And we are, we're in, I don't remember how many companies, like 40 or 50 countries right now. But our idea is that we reach 100 million people and that we have our products into 100 million homes uh, in, the, in the near future in, in order to change lives for the better. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a big vision. Where, where are you guys at on that? Uh, I'm not sure right okay. now. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure that it, what we have is actually a measurable statistic at this point, Okay, okay. Uh, but yeah. we're, that's something that we're working on. Yeah, absolutely. This is a question that I, lo- I really like to ask. What is like a critical moment or defining moment in your life where it's kind of a fork in the road moment where obviously you, you did make the decision that you did, which has you where you are, but, but very easily had you not, you could be somewhere completely different in your life. I think there's a lot of the listeners that are also entrepreneurs and business owners that are in that moment and they feel maybe like being pulled to a call to go do this one thing, but then they're like, oftentimes too many of them don't have the courage to make that decision and maybe go that path that everybody else is pulling them down. Um, is there a moment that comes to mind for you as I kind of ask that question? Yeah. When I started the company, when I started the company, I think it was the, I think it was the defining moment because it was the, it, I really think that had and I, made the decision to walk away from where I was working and start the company, I would probably have stayed stuck at that company or some other company probably for the rest of my life. There, you know, I had been thinking about walking away from where I was working for almost a year before I actually did it. And I didn't tell anybody that I was struggling with, that I, with the idea. Yeah. I was trying to figure out a way, how do, I, how do I walk away from this secure job where I have health insurance and life insurance and a pension and, and that whole thing and raise four kids. I have my wife, my four kids, you know, we got the whole, the whole thing, you know, we got a house, cars, the whole deal. How do I continue to do that and start a business at the same time? I have, the only way to fund it is to bootstrap it. I have to earn the money as I go. You know, how do I, how do I actually do it? Can I do it? Yeah. So it's like questions like, okay, well, you know that there's days where you show up where you're not 100% or you don't give 100%. You can't do that if you're on your own business. How dedicated to this are you? And um, I had a conversation with my mentor. He said to me, he said, David, you know something? He said, you'll always get what you need when you need it. But if you keep waffling in and out of this decision, you'll pack it in for safety and stay there for the rest of your life. He said, just make a decision and do it. And don't ever look back. Keep looking forward. So that's what I did. I made the decision and I did it. I decided that I was going to do it. I wasn't going to look back. And I was going to do my very best every single day. And if I find out that I can't do it, then I'll live with that. I can always go back to doing what I, would, what I was doing. Yeah. But I need to do this and give it my very best every day because getting to the end of my life and finding and finding out that I didn't even try was not acceptable to me. Yeah. That wasn't yeah. acceptable. I could deal with getting finding out that I didn't have what it took take to do it, you know? Yeah. But so, so I just did it. I cut the ties yeah. and, and that was it. 
I love it. Uh, thank you. Appreciate you uh, sharing that. Um, I want to respect your time. So well, as we wrap up here, I usually ask like, what are one or two things that you could share with, with the listeners that if they implemented today would, would move them forward today. But I maybe wanted to ask you right al along those lines, you said that there were people that you would tell, do this, 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 and this, read this, and they would go do it and have great results and others that didn't. Is there a kind of a short version to what some people could do that you, in regards to that frame? Yeah, there's two things. You have to, you have to want it bad enough, number one. And nobody can, nobody can make you want it bad enough. That has to be your own desire. Yeah. But then you have to make a decision. And a decision literally meets to cut off from any other possibility. So it was, it was one of the things that my mentor drilled into my learning uh, over a period of several years. Make a decision, make a decision, make a decision, and don't look backward. Don't look backward. Don't go backward. There's only forward. You only move, you only move forward. And that's what people really need to do. You need to make a decision, put everything that you have into it, develop your mindset to keep moving through mistakes and learning from them, but consistently make that decision to move forward. And you also have to feed the part of you that wants the success so that you keep that up and vibrant and enthusiastic in your life. That's your responsibility to do that. That's not anybody else's responsibility. Yeah. Learn from your mistakes and, and you'll make it, you know, it, it's going to take whatever amount of time it takes, but there is no shortcut. It is doing that and it is working yeah. diligently to do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I appreciate you uh, sharing that and, and being here with us today. What, what are a few ways that we can follow you and find out more about what you have going on inside of your life? D David Nagel's The Successful Mind Podcast. That is the best place. You can go to my website, davidnagel.com, but like, if you want to get more information on this, the Successful Mind Podcast. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking some time for us today. Uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been a blast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years. Years of marriage has never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for. I'm gonna be a leader. I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer. We can do anything we want. If I said it, then I meant it. I probably already did it. Consider it done. If you need some inspiration, you should play this. Championship Leadership Podcast. Hey, Bailey. Hey, babe.